Hi, I'm Mike, lead pastor at The Ridge, and this is our weekly podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our desire is for you to grow in relationship with God, connect with others, and to experience God's purpose for life by adding value to the life of another. I hope that this message will build your faith and encourage you as we seek to grow together in God's Word. Enjoy today's message. God is at work in the universe today. I'm sure you're aware of that. You don't really have to look too hard to find evidence for that. Uh, this picture was taken recently by the James Webb Telescope. Any of you uh, science fans out there are probably familiar with the James Webb Telescope, kind of the upgrade from the Hubble Telescope. And over the last number of months, it's been sending through these amazing images of deep space. And this is one of them. And uh, there is seemingly an infinite amount of things that are happening in this image right here. Stars that are orbiting, or planets that are orbiting stars, stars that are being born, galaxies that are forming. It's pretty mind-blowing when you think about it. And so we're seated here this morning, and yet God is at work even in the far reaches of the universe. And you know where else God is at work? He's at work in your life. He's at work in your life. And you know, sometimes that's easy to see, uh, and we acknowledge things. Sometimes maybe it's something that we feel. Uh, A lot of times I feel like we maybe don't see it. We miss God's work in our life. And so what I wanted to do uh, for us this morning is that we're going to look at one of the major characters in the Bible, a guy called Moses. And uh, we're going to look at about two-thirds of his life. Um, We're not going to go into super detail because we only got so much time. But there's some major things that God did in this guy's life, how he worked in and through him. And the crazy thing is as we look through this, as we see how God worked in the life of Moses, we begin to see that God is working in much the same way today, if we will see that in our own lives. So before we jump in together, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we Just thank you right at the beginning for the ways in which you're working. Lord, not only in the far reaches of the universe and the kind of cosmic art show that it almost seems like it is, but you're also working in our lives. And we're so grateful for that. And so, Lord, we give you permission even this morning that you would be working in us and speaking to us as we open up your word. We ask this in your name. Amen. So it uh, makes kind of sense to start at the, the beginning of the life of Moses, when at, at the story of his birth. Just a bit of context here. This was a pretty dark time when Moses was born. The Israelites were under slavery of the Egyptians. And uh, there was an edict that had just been delivered by the, uh, the Pharaoh at the time where he was going to try and get rid of all the Hebrew baby boys. Uh, he was a little concerned about the population growth of the Israelites, and he thought, well, how am I going to deal with this? And so he, he puts out this horrific uh, declaration that all these babies are to be killed as soon as they're born. You can read more about that, that story, but here's how Moses comes into that context in Exodus 2, starting in verse 1, and I'll read this for us. Now, a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. 
But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. And then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went on to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the river bank. She saw the basket among the reeds, and she sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby, and he was crying. She felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. This, uh, then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him, and when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. So Moses' life was at risk. As soon as he was born, his mother took action to protect him uh, from being discovered in the home. And in what appears to be a miraculous turn of events, Moses ends up back in his mother's arms again. And not only that, I wonder if you caught this, uh, Pharaoh's daughter offers to pay her to look after her own son. And uh, maybe some parents in the room feel like that would be nice sometimes with their, their kids. But listen, this is a crazy turn of events. It didn't necessarily have to work out this way, but it did. And some people might look at something like this or something like it that might happen in your life, and they might say, well, that was fortunate. I mean, man, you're, you're lucky or something. I don't know, lucky the Irish or whatever it might be. But you know what? As a follower of Jesus... I look at this and I see the sovereignty of God. I see the sovereignty of God. We talk about that sometimes here on on Sunday mornings as it comes up in Scripture. One way of thinking about it is kind of God's directing of events or influencing events to correspond with his greater purpose. God works sovereignly in Moses' life right from the beginning. And... He's working in our lives in the same way today. But what does that even look like? What does that even look like? Well, sometimes I think it can look like unexpected things. Maybe you weren't planning on retiring early, but you you were laid off from your job. And I know I've, I've spoken with some people who have been in that place in the last number of months. It feels unexpected. And then maybe another opportunity opens up where they step into that. Sometimes God can work sovereignly that way, working at a higher level in our house, things that are in our life, things that are out of our control. Sometimes God works sovereignly in allowing challenging events or seasons into our lives for our greater good. But sometimes, thankfully, God works in spite of our actions. You know, we don't always make the best decisions. And uh, looking back on your life, I'm sure you can see places where you think to yourself, oh my goodness, I'm so glad God didn't answer that prayer. Or he moved in a way that I avoided that. And I have an example of this. I mean, I can't speak to this and not give you a personal example. So when I was in high school in my senior year, I had an opportunity to go to one of the colleges in Northern Ireland. There's only three major colleges there. And so I went... And uh, they had a list of, a large list of the degrees that they offered that you could study. So I literally, I just remember kind of going down, 
And, uh, and then theology was there, the study of God. And I thought, well, I guess that sounds sort of interesting. So I thought, I'll just go and see what they have to say. So I go, and I'm sitting in a room full of, you know, just a few people. And the only two things I remember were, one, I felt like I could get the grades. So I thought, okay, I can do that. And then two, they were offering like a special grant toward tuition for the degree. And I thought, saving me money? I'll take that as well. And I kid you not, that was literally the decision process. And so what happened then? I applied for it. I got the grades. I got in. I studied theology for three years and graduated. Um, Turns out it was the last time I didn't have gray hair and a beard and glasses. Um, This is actually my younger brother, Phil. Actually, it's not not me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, You guys really went for that. I didn't think you would. Um, And so what happened was... uh, you know, as I, even as I'm writing this sermon, I, I look back and I think to myself, man, the lack of maturity in my decision-making process is, was kind of alarming. Didn't have much vocational awareness of what I was really, what I was wanting to do or where I was going. And yet God was working sovereignly in my life. Despite my decisions, a few years later, I would enter into full-time uh, church ministry And uh, having a theology degree has certainly been very helpful in that. But you see, when it comes to how our lives play out, the Bible speaks of God's sovereignty and our responsibility. God's sovereignty and our responsibility. Our actions matter. They have an impact. But God is also in control. And I know even saying that, that some of you might be thinking, well, Will, how is that even possible? Like, I, I can't even compute that in, your, in my brain. And I'm with you on that, actually. There's mystery here. And I think, actually, as we're engaging with the God of the universe, who speaks those kind of things into being that we saw at the beginning of the service, I think we should expect mystery on occasion. But here's what's interesting. When we take those two truths in the Bible, God is sovereign, he's in control, my actions matter, they have responsibility. When we live those two things out, we find it's actually the best possible scenario that we could have hoped for. Because here's the thing, it tells us that we are neither robots predestined to a particular fate, nor is the destiny of all your life all on your shoulders. It's not all on your shoulders. If it was, my life would look very different. I promise you, I'm sure I wouldn't be here standing here this morning. But as I look back and I see God sovereignly working in his mercy and in his grace, it gives me a great sense of relief, actually. It gives me great relief and reassurance that God is working at a sovereign level in my life and your life much in the same way that he was right here uh, with Moses in this pivotal moment for him in his life. So moving forward in the life of Moses, years pass. Uh, his mom is true to her, her word. She comes and he, Moses enters into the house of Pharaoh, uh, mind-blowing to think that he's the adopted grandson of Pharaoh himself. And then picking up in Exodus 2, verse 11, one day... After Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and he hid him in the sand. 
The next day he went out and he saw two Hebrews fighting and he asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? And the man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed that Egyptian? And then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. And when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian. This is a turning point for Moses and his life. He had spent what seems to be about a third of his life growing up in the house of Pharaoh, and he was just about to embark on another third of his life in a wilderness, essentially, in the land of Midian. He arrives in Midian, a fugitive and a felon, and we don't actually know much about his time there. Uh, He got married, he had children, and he became a shepherd. And he was looking after the sheep of his father-in-law, Jethro. Now, it's kind of crazy to think, like him entering into this vocation as a shepherd. He had just spent these several decades in a palace. He was very well educated, I'm sure. And yet here he was, tending the sheep for 40 years. 40 years. That's my lifetime. That's a a third of Moses' life. And yet, what we find here is this this Midian season and the life of Moses was to be one of the most formative times for Moses. One of the most formative times for Moses. He didn't know that. He didn't know what was coming after those 40 years. And I imagine this, and I don't know if you've ever been in a season like this before, but I imagine that Moses at the time was thinking, these are just wasted years. Like I've, I've, I'm pretty sure I've just blown my life or... I'm not sure where it could go from here. They may have felt like years where God was quiet and idle in his life, where his past mistakes had derailed God's plans for his life. And yet, what Moses didn't know was that after 40 years in Midian, God would call him into something enormous, an enormous call in his life to lead the Israelites out of slavery. And yet... There was a 40-year on-ramp for that calling. A 40-year on-ramp. So let me ask you this. Have you ever been in a season like that before? Where it kind of feels a bit like a holding pattern, you know? You're not really sure what is ahead. Maybe you're in a job that kind of feels like an in-between job. You're not exactly sure where you're going feels maybe a bit like God is on mute, or maybe, like Moses, you feel like you could never be used by God because of your past, because of something that you've done. And that's why you feel stuck. Well, take heart this morning. Take heart in what you read in the life of Moses. God's preparation seasons are rarely easy or quick, but they're always worthwhile. God does some of his most foundational work in our seasons of wondering and waiting. And again, a personal example comes to mind. Uh, When Bridget, my wife, and I, when we were married, first couple of years, I worked in an insurance company. And uh, I had a really good time there in terms of building some great relationships with people, um, just getting to know the team there was really, really good. The work was really challenging for me. It took me out of my comfort zone a lot. 
But I had this sense that I wasn't landed there, you know? I felt like I was in that holding pattern. I felt like God was going to do something. Something was on the horizon. I didn't quite know what it was, but I felt like I hadn't landed. And so after those two years, what happened was an opportunity came up to go full-time doing music and, and ministry. It was a real step of faith for us, but it was clearly this kind of call, like Moses. We were being called into this. Now, I could look back on those two years and I could think to myself, well, they were, they were just kind of wasted years, really. I mean, what was, what was really happening there? What really was important was this moment and this call and what happened in those years of ministry. I don't think God looks at it that way. And I don't look at it that way either in retrospect. Because what I see in those two years was that God was conditioning me. He was forming me. He was shaping me in ways that were critical for what he was about to call me into. And in fact, for Bridget and I, it was essential actually having those two years at home because we would embark then on a number of years of pretty intense travel and being away from family and all those kind of things. If you feel like you're in a Midian-like season this morning, don't believe that the lie that God has forgotten about you or that he's just idle. And Or sometimes, do you, ever, do you ever think that maybe God's like, okay, listen, I want to do this thing in your life, like here, but it's not going to be for like two, three years or 40 years. So can you just kind of hang out here and just do, you know, just do stuff, you know, get a job or something. I'm going to come back. I'm going to set an alarm and I promise I'm not going to forget you. I'm going to come back. And, you know, like sometimes we can feel like that. There are these seasons in our lives that God's not quite as interested in, but that is not, that's not what we see here. I think he was forming Moses. I think he was getting him ready for what he was about to call him into. So Moses, he spends 40 years in Midian, and one day he's tending to the flock of his father-in-law. Probably just felt like any other day. And uh, he leads the flock to the west side of the wilderness. He comes to Mount Horeb, which would actually be a really significant place for him later in his life. But he comes to the mountain, and this is what happens. Exodus 3, starting in verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place in which you're standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to to look at God. So God speaks clearly to Moses, audibly, visually. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I read sections of scripture like this, or where like an angel appears in the room, you know, somebody turns out and he gives a message. And I'm like, Lord, that would be awesome sometimes. Like maybe some of you here, you feel like you're in situations and you think, if I could just go out to the Ridge parking lot and one of the trees burst into flame and God like starts speaking to me about... 
I am calling you, you know, that would be, that would be awesome, right? But you see, God has spoken. He's spoken audibly, visually. In the scriptures that we have and in the life and teachings of Jesus, the Bible is God's continuous communication to us about who he is and who he has made us to be. And you see, that's why reading the Bible is more than a suggestion to the Jesus follower. It's one of the primary ways in which God works in our lives, challenging us and conditioning us and encouraging us. Kind of just chipping away at us, shaping us into his likeness. Maybe it helps uh, thinking about it this way. So I have a a friend, many of you know him, Dan Shutnik. Used to be on staff here. I've known Dan for a few years now and I still cannot... Uh, kind of type out his last name. You guys, German, Dutch names, like it's, yeah, even for an Irishman, it's hard. But Dan, just a few years ago, he ran an ultra marathon. And that's 100 miles. I'm going to say that again. Uh, Dan, he ran 100 miles. Guys, sometimes I feel like I can't even like run the length of myself. Like, I don't know if that's just a stage of life, right? 100 miles. The prep work for this, it was pretty intense. So many hours of of training, dietary preparation. But all the blood, sweat, and tears, it was all worth it. Because Dan completed the 100-mile run. But how did he do it? Because of his training, because of his preparation. It was through that process that he became conditioned and strengthened and challenged in a healthy way so that when he jumped into the actual race, he was prepared. You see, for Dan, the training, the preparation, it was more than a suggestion. It was essential. And Ridge, it's exactly the same when it comes to the Bible. Bible reading is more, more than a suggestion. It's, it's more than an accessory to the Christian life. It's one of the primary means by which God works in our lives and speaks in our lives, challenging us, strengthening us, preparing us to follow after him. As the writer of the Hebrews once famously said, famously said the word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I don't know about you, but I feel like I need that every day. I need that every day. Kind of makes you think of a picture. Have you ever, ever seen somebody sculpt something? Like, it's just a phenomenal kind of thing to watch where there's this kind of piece of what seems just like rubble or unshapened rock. And they come in and just start chipping away at things, chipping away at it, shaping and forming. That's how God does through his life-giving word. It's alive and it's active. And when we open it up, it begins to work in us, challenging us and shaping us. So be encouraged. God is speaking today. He is working today, if we will listen. One last thing that I want to to bring up on. There's so many other things that we could bring up in the life of Moses. What an extraordinary uh, life uh, that God worked in and through. 
But I want to finish by just thinking about the way in which Moses used, or God used Moses to lead the Israelites out of slavery. Kind of backtracking a little bit. So they're, they're at, Moses is at the burning bush and this is what happens. He's called out. God calls him into this. I encourage you, go and read that. If you feel like God is calling you into something or, or taking a step of faith, Moses had all kinds of excuses. He was like, yeah, I, I hear you, but like this. Or God, are you sure? Like, you know. But eventually Moses steps into this. God leads Moses back to Egypt and uses Moses to lead the Israelites out of slavery. And beyond that, God parts the Red Sea He leads the Israelites through, and he destroys the Egyptian army who are pursuing them. And what's really cool to think about, I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but the Exodus story, it stands alone in itself. It's a remarkable story. But it's almost just a foreshadow of a second Exodus that would happen a thousand plus years later. You see, Jesus would make a way for us to find freedom from the slavery of sin leading us out from its rule of darkness into his kingdom of light. He would open a way for us to come to God, rescuing us from a future apart from him, destroying the hold of sin, death, and Satan in the process. You see how it mirrors this exodus and the second exodus. You see, God is at work in our lives today. I hope I've You've learned some of that today. He's moving sovereignly. He is working in every season, even the Midian-like seasons. He is speaking to us in every season. But I believe his greatest work in our lives is a finished work. It's a finished work. It's the finished work of Jesus on the cross. It's a work that changed the course of history where Jesus took upon himself every sin every failure of every generation so that people like you and me might have the opportunity to experience forgiveness and know the wonder and beauty and joy and peace of relationship with him. What a wonderful work. A work that we did nothing to deserve. And yet he has done that for for us if we will accept his invitation. So I want to just take a few moments uh, before we, we worship the Lord again together. I want to just give you a fresh opportunity to invite the Lord to work again in your life. There's lots of reasons why we close up our hearts to God. Sometimes it's things that we experience in our lives. Maybe sometimes it's experiences that we've had in the church how people have treated us, whatever it might be. But I invite you this morning to come, to look again to the cross and realize what he has done for us, to open up your hearts again and say, Lord, would you come and work afresh in me? Change me, use me. Let's pray together. Thanks for joining us today and listening to our weekly podcast. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship here at The Ridge. If you would like to dig a little deeper into what we've been talking about today, uh, be sure to check out Beyond the Sermon. This is a weekly devotional that goes out after second service on Sunday. There you'll find the scripture that we've been looking at, 
some questions for you to, to dive into. But then there's also a discussion uh, that I have with whoever is teaching that Sunday, and we just dive deeper into different themes and topics from the sermon. If you've enjoyed our podcast, feel free to share it with your friends. And also jump on our website, ridgelife.org, to get more connected here at the Ridge.